Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I can tell almost in the first five minutes whether you really have a gift of teaching, whether there's a gift there, or you just want to teach. Now, don't misunderstand me. We all ought to be able to teach. But what we're talking about here is the person who has a gift of teaching. If you have a gift of teaching, you're going to have an ability to take the deep, spiritual, profound truths of the Word of God, even some that are more difficult to understand, and make them very, very clear. You can take the difficult, and you can make it easy. And the average person can get something out of your sermon. The average person. Jesus taught kids. Kids love to be around Jesus. Why? Because he was, look, this is God. If anybody can be deep and spiritual and profound and talk and you not know what they're saying, it would be Jesus. But he doesn't. Kids love to be around Jesus. Disciples are saying, get back, get back, kids. All the kids, get back, get back. Don't touch Jesus. We're his bodyguards. Don't touch him, kid. And Jesus said, no, let him come. He put him up on his lap and love on him and talk to him and preach to him. That's a gift of teaching. You can see it because even kids can get something out. Everyone can get something out of it. It was John Corson who told me that every single sermon, listen, if you are tending to be a teacher, you write this down. Every single sermon, John Corson told me this, revolutionized, changed my teaching. He told me every sermon should have three elements in it. Milk, meat, and manna. Milk, meat, and manna. Milk for the Christian who's just a new Christian. They can't handle all the heavy stuff. And, you know, you need milk. Peter said, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word of God. That's where you start. When you become a Christian, you start drinking milk. Like when you're a baby, you take the bottle. You're not like a six-month-old baby asking your mom for T-bone steak. No, you need milk. You need time to grow. But then there comes a time where you should grow up and you should be able to tolerate the meat of the word of God. Well, you're no longer on milk. Now you've moved on to meat. And then manna, what's manna? Manna is what God gives you when you stand in the pulpit and you're standing before God's people and the Holy Spirit just drops something in your mind or drops something in your spirit to say that. And it happens all the time. Man, there's certain things that I get from the Lord that I cannot get over my computer, that I can't get over my desk. I'm studying. It doesn't negate the need to study the word. We need to be good students of the word of God. And if you're going to teach the word of God, then be a good student of God's word. Don't just come to the pulpit and say, oh, man, I'm all manner, baby. All manner for me. I don't need to study the word. All I need is manner. No, you need to stop being lazy and study the Bible. 
But then there's times when you get in the pulpit, you can't get this at your computer. You can't get this at your desk. God says, say this, and you say it. God says, say that, and you say it. He gives you this verse and makes this connection, makes that connection. You're going, man, this is good stuff, man. Yeah, this is great, God. You see, that's manna. Every sermon, every teaching time should have milk and meat and manna. And when I'm done with my sermons, I generally comb through my sermons to be sure that I have some milk, to be sure that I have some meat, to be sure that I'm open and asking God, Lord, when I get there, give me that manna, just that fresh word, just like you gave the children of Israel in the wilderness every day, God. It just came. They couldn't keep any overnight. They couldn't keep any overnight. It would spoil. God, just that fresh word right now. Every gifted teacher most certainly has those three elements woven into their sermon. Now, in the New Testament, the teaching ministry was commanded. Commanded by who? By Jesus. Notice in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, you know this verse well. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm always with you, even to the end of the age. Jesus instructed his disciples, you and me, to teach all over the world. Now, as you read through the Bible, and particularly as you read through the book of Acts, you will see the teaching ministry was a majority, a major priority of the disciples' ministry. Teaching was an important major priority in the disciples' ministry. Now, I say that because there are many who believe that that there's no place for teaching in the church today. Believe it or not. People, they they don't believe there's need for teaching in the church. Well, the apostles, it was a major priority for them to teach the scriptures. Acts chapter 5, verse 21. If you're taking notes, they entered the temple early in the morning and they taught. The Sanhedrin was told, behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and they're teaching. And even after they were beaten for teaching, in verse 42 of that same chapter, they ceased not to teach Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 18, verse 11 tells us Paul was in Corinth where he stayed for a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Paul taught in Ephesus for two years from house to house. Paul stressed the importance of teaching in the churches in his epistles. He wrote to his young son in the faith, Timothy, to give attention to teaching. 1 Timothy 4.13 Paul commanded that we teach Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This teaching ministry is so very, very important. And in my humble opinion, I believe that the teaching ministry is most certainly the greatest need of the church today. And that's why we teach the Bible Good, sound, biblical teaching is so needed. It's Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. God said, my people are destroyed for what, saints? A lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, God says, I will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forsaken or forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. 
one of the most hurtful and damaging things to the church today is the lack of teaching and how many people come here to this church week after week after week after week after week. And they come up to me and they say to me, oh man, I'm so glad I finally found the church that teaches the Bible. How many people say that week after week? Some of you who first came here, I'm looking at you. You came to me and said that. We finally found a church that teaches the Bible. There are people who drive to this church from all over. You would not believe how far. There is a couple who, who drive to this church. They may be here now, but, but they drive from Danville, Virginia. Now, how many churches do you pass from Danville, Virginia to the Triangle? A hundred? And you mean to tell me that from Danville, Virginia to here, you can't find a church? And don't misunderstand me now. Some folks are just difficult to please. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Some people, man, you can't do it right. And you know what they need? To start their own church. <laughs> and won't nobody show up, but that's not the point. Now, you know but, you know, it, it's a long way from Danville, Virginia. And you mean to tell me you can't find a church that teaches a Bible? So you go in, and to me, I guess the question is, you know, it's a flattering comment to me that finally we found a church that teaches the Bible. That's flattering. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. But it's also a sad commentary on the church today. What? You can't find a church that teaches a Bible. What are they teaching? What are they telling people? What do I have to say if I'm going to stand up here and talk to you for 45 minutes and I'm not going to teach you the Bible? What would I be telling you? And why would anybody sit and listen if they're not teaching the Bible? How many people and the popular way of teaching and preaching in the church today, it has been said that we have sermonettes for Christianettes delivered by preacherettes. Isn't that true? Sermonettes, Christianettes, giving my preacherettes. Nobody's growing. How many times I've talked to people and they, they've come and said, you know, I've been a Christian for 20 some odd years. I've never been through the scriptures. I never understood the Bible. I've never heard some of these things that you're saying. I've never heard these things. That's sad. It's grievous to me. Now, let me talk to you just a few minutes about how the gift of teaching should be operated. Because this is very, very important. How the gift of teaching should be operated or exercised in the church. Number one, if you're taking notes, the gift of teaching should be exercised in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was Paul the Apostle who said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, he said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimonies of God. For I delivered not, for I determined not to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I don't know anything. Paul was a bright man. You look in Philippians chapter 3, you can see his pedigree, his resume. Incredibly bright man. He said, I don't know anything. All I know is Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching, they were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be 
in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, the gift of teaching should be exercised in the power of the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't be done in the wisdom of men with their powerless programs. It shouldn't be clever and crafty and difficult to think through. It should be easy to understand. How many sermons have we all heard where we left and thought, what did he just say? You're driving home. You ask your wife, honey, were you, did you get something out of the sermon? No, dear. Did you get something out of the sermon, dear? Well, I don't know. I was asleep. I didn't even get anything out of it. <sighs> you know, how often? You don't get anything out of it. That shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. When you leave, you should feel built up and edified and strengthened. Most certainly, the gift of teaching should be exercised in the power of the Holy Spirit, number one. Number two, the gift of teaching should be recognized and developed in others. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul says, Timothy, look for faithful men who are able to teach the word. Look for men who will, who will come alongside of you, who have this gift of teaching, and allow them to teach others. Number three, the gift of teaching should be used to build up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.11, we'll talk about that the next time we gather together in the gifts of the Spirit. And then number four, the gift of teaching should be exercised according to ability. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. This is very important. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever and ever. Amen. Just yesterday, I was talking to this guy about... Pastor Chuck Smith, who I believe has the gift of teaching. And for several years, I got introduced to Calvary Chapel because, for, you, you guys know, I came and, you know, got saved and went to a, a Pentecostal, a black Pentecostal church, and, and, and I really never heard the word taught. So I started listening to Chuck Smith on the radio. And every day at 12 o'clock, I remember we had a Volkswagen Vanagon. You remember the Volkswagen Vanagon? You remember that? It was really, really big. It was like a living room on wheels. And uh, you remember that? And I used to get my, get my lunch, you know, get a peanut butter and jelly, which is kind of my favorite sandwich, or tuna fish. And, and I'd, I'd, get, I'd sit at 12 o'clock every day. And I went through the entire book of Romans with Pastor Chuck on the radio. It took three years. Needless to say, it was an in-depth study. <laughs> and when I met him, I said, hey, man, how you doing? I said, I, you, I said you're Pastor Chuck. You're Pastor Chuck Smith. That's cool, man. I'm Rodney, you know, introduced myself. And I was so excited to meet him. And I said, I've been listening to you on the radio. And you know what I used to do after maybe a couple years of listening to him in Romans on the radio? Then I started to take notes. And then I started a Bible study on Camp Pendleton. And I would teach in my Bible study exactly what I learned on maybe Thursday from Pastor Chuck. I teach the same thing. And I'd get to my notes and I'd go, and my wife, Kay Smith. I mean, I'm Elvira. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should have edited that out. Elvira. And you know what is amazing? A couple of weeks ago, I got a letter from a guy who is in the, uh, the Raleigh Correctional Facility, and he'll, and he'll be there for 104 years. 
who'll be in prison for 104 years. Listens to the radio, and he said that he, on Thursday, he said, I take notes from your Bible study on Thursday, and I teach the inmates on Friday the same thing that you just taught on Thursday. Isn't that a blessing? That's amazing to me because here it is 20-odd-some years later, and he's doing the very same thing that I used to do. Man, when I walked into Calvary Chapel, I'm telling you, the teaching of the Word of God changed my life. I remember walking into a Calvary Chapel, and if you don't been out to Southern California, it's quite different at Calvary Chapel than it is here. Because in Southern California, at Calvary Chapel, they wear flip-flops and shorts and tank tops on Sunday morning. I mean, it, it blew me away. It's like these people with long hair, these wacko Jesus, crazy Calvary Chapel people. And I'm, look, and I'm like, first time there, I walk in full suit. You know, they say, you must be a visitor. How'd you know? Something give you away. And so my wife and I, we go to Calvary Chapel, we sit on the back row, we're listening to the teaching, and I'm telling you, it blew me away. I'd never seen nor heard anything like it. I was amazed, completely amazed. The pastor was just standing there teaching the Bible. He wasn't going back and forth on the stage, which that's okay if that's your preaching style, but I'm just saying he wasn't. That's what I was used to. He was a normal guy in just a regular khaki shirt and a khaki pair of pants, just Brian Broderson, his name, Calvary Chapel and Vista, and he's just standing there teaching the Bible. Bible, and I was amazed because he was teaching the word and he wasn't sweating. <laughs> and it was like, man, he didn't say, duh, after every like, you know, Lord, duh, wants uh, you, uh, you know, and I was like, whoa, uh, I can't believe it. Unbelievable. Look up me. I'm like, oh, I'm freaking out. And so, he, you know, and then he said it, and then they didn't take up, you know, one, two, three, four offerings. They didn't take up an offering at all. And I'm like, something is really weird here. <laughs> Flip-flops, T-shirt, no sweating, no duh, and no offering. What's up with this? And he started teaching the book of Revelation, and I'm telling you, I was amazed. I never heard teaching in my life. I was blown away just to hear somebody stand there, and I actually understood. I actually understood. I couldn't believe it. I understood what I heard. And I, and I remember looking over my wife. I remember we both were in tears. I looked over at her and, you know, as guys, we're manly men, you know. I ain't going to let you see me crying now, you know. I'm like, And I, it's, it's blowing me away. It's changing my life. It's changing my heart because I've never heard anything like that. And then I thought to myself, I remember thinking, if that guy can teach the word and he can read the Bible and understand it, then so can I. And I started studying the scriptures. And, and, and who would have ever thought these many years later that, that I would be a Calvary Chapel pastor? I can't believe it. Neither can you. I know. Neither can, you're like, neither can we. God really is amazing. Look at you. You see, the foolish things of the world, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's what God wants to do. God wants people. Man, where did my time go? God wants people to look at you and go, wow, look what he's done. God wants to hold you up as a trophy and say, 
I can change that guy. I can change that girl. I can even change Rodney. I am a great God. He wants to do that. Most certainly wants to do that. Well, let's talk about really quickly the gift of exhortation. Really, really quickly. Give me three minutes. You know what a, you know what it means when a preacher says in closing? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The gift of exhortation. Here's a definition for you. I like to describe it as the supernatural ability from God to encourage his people. Some people have a gift to encourage you. Some people have a gift to discourage you. Isn't that true? Some people have a gift of encouraging you and saying, you know, you can make it. You know, you're down. You don't think you're going to make it. You don't think you can do this Christian thing. I don't know if I can get through this trial. I don't know if I can get through this circumstance. And God will bring someone alongside with the gift of exhortation to say, yes, you can. You can make it. You can move on. You can get above this. God wants to work in you. And they encourage you and they build you up. That's this gift of exhortation. It's a gift to build people up. You know, I like to say that there's two kinds of people in the church. There's balcony people and there are basement people. Balcony people are people with the gift of exhortation. Basement people are people with the gift of discouragement who can bring you down. And they say, no, you can't make it. You low-life Christian you, you're never going to make it. You go, yeah, man, you're right. I'm never going to make it. And you leave feeling discouraged. Two kinds of people. The gift of exhortation is the ability to encourage people. You know, in the New Testament, Barnabas He had a gift of exhortation. As a matter of fact, his name means the son of encouragement. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. Look that up in your own time. We'll tell you some things about Barnabas and who he was. Many, many areas of the Bible that encourages us and exhorts us. Here's a couple of examples for you. We're encouraged to be spiritual, to grow spiritually. It's an encouragement in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. You see, we all need to be exhorted to grow and to go on in the things of God. We're encouraged to minister to each other. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, we're encouraged in the scriptures to mind your own business. Don't be a busybody. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. We have an encouragement or an exhortation to labor with our own hands and not to steal. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. We have an exhortation to pray. 1 Timothy 2, 1. We're exhorted to stay close to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. And I like this one. We have an exhortation to attend church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so the more, as you see the day approaching, what day is that? As we see Jesus coming and we see the sign of the times, look at Israel, keep your eyes on Israel. You see the times drawing close to Jesus coming. You should go to church more. That's what the Bible says. I don't understand it. How some Christians, they feel like they're an island. They don't need to go to church. I don't need to be in church. 
I'm, you know, I'm strong and spiritually, I don't need church. No, you need church. The body of Christ needs you and you need the body of Christ. And lastly, I like this one. We have an exhortation to heed exhortation. Oh, that's found in Hebrews 13. I like that. And I appeal or I exhort you, brethren, bear with the word of word of exhortation for I have written to you in few words. I like that. Listen to exhortation. It's like you say to your kids. I'm exhorting you to clean that filthy room. And if you don't, I'm going to have to apply the board of correction to the seat of knowledge. And all the parents said, amen. My brother. (laughs) Listen to what God has to say. We need to be people who obey the word and take heed to exhortation. What a wonderful thing we have in this leather-bound book. It's pretty amazing. You should probably take the time to begin to read it and let God's word speak to you, for it is life. It's the only book, as I said, you will ever read that will give you true life. See, right now, you think you have life. But in reality, if you don't know Jesus, there's a hole in your life. You don't have life. You don't have life until you receive Jesus. As Jesus said in his word, he came to give life, and that more abundantly. And that life is found with this gold-bound book. It's called the Bible. You should try to read it. Take time. God has something to say to you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.